Dogs can smell parts per trillion. They can smell cancer. They can smell if you're going to have a seizure. It's not just between a dog and another dog. It's across species. Is it fear as we understand it that they're working on? Their behaviour is changing based on how a human yeah. is feeling yeah. and how they're smelling it. The human's not even there. Where do we draw the line? How far can we take it? Hi, I'm Dr. Sab Cohen-Hatton and I'm a neuroscientist specialising in animal and human learning mechanisms. And I'm Jamie Penrith, I specialise in canine predatory behaviour and I'm a former police dog handler. And I'm Danny Wells and I'm a dog trainer specialising in unwanted behaviour and it sounds a lot less impressive than the other thing. <laughs> and every week we sit down to talk about the latest research in canine psychology. And more importantly, how you can apply it to your own dog to get to know them a bit better. Welcome to The Dog Scholar. Right, what are we going to talk about this week? What are we going to talk oh, about well, this I week, will tell you. Um, I'd have guessed it'd say some science. <laughs> <laughs> right, I've got a question. Go on. Can dogs dun, 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 smell fear? Smell fear? fear? Yeah. They probably smell my fear. I've got terrible bowels today, man. <laughs> In a bad I way. wouldn't call that fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think you're a bit fearful fear. of it. I've got the videos of Jamie to prove it. I was in a taxi so, with him. Yeah. Well, in the car on the way in, yeah. listeners, unfortunately, whatever fear came over Danny nearly asphyxiated the rest yeah. of us travelling in the We're car. I, I may share that video on my socials once this episode goes live. <laughs> well, I'm just glad there isn't television. Yeah. Anyway, we drift away from the question. Yes! <laughs> Listen, dog success in living with us has depended for thousands of years on their increased social attention towards us. And we know that smell is one of dogs' most powerful senses. So can they smell fear? Or happiness, for that matter? Can they smell um, our mood? Given, given that dogs can smell parts per trillion without even looking at the science, I'd say, yeah, we secrete many different pheromones, hormones, everything when we're in different states. I'd say that we're probably going to give a bit of a whiff, aren't we? Well, that must have been awful for the dogs in the car, in all seriousness, coming in then. Yeah, because but they like smelly <laughs> stuff as well. Your dog rolls around and fuck it to My shit must be blissful. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> 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 I, I think I think you, what you're saying is right. You know, my, for, for my sort of like input on it, I would say that yeah, yeah. I do think dogs can de uh, yeah. detect a shift in, you know, a shift in mood based on a shift in odor, and mm, yeah. linking that with the behaviour yeah. changes in the person. You know, I mean, many, ma like... many a time I can picture Wade next to me going like himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it'd be rightly so. <laughs> I certainly know that from a from a uh, police dog handling point of view, you know, back, back when uh, working those and with, with the training of those as well is, it was a very different um, set of circumstances when you set up, uh, you know, a, d teaching the dog to track uh, a criminal who was yeah. actually, you know, one of your colleagues who's laid the track for them and provides the, the bite reward at the end of it, uh, compared to when you've actually got a live job and you've mm. got somebody who is pumping out adrenaline and argu yeah, yeah. arguably fear and any other scent yeah, that goes yeah. with it and the switch you know anybody who's worked uh, dogs in operational situations will be able to say the switch in drive the switch in motivation mm. yeah, you know yeah, for yeah. those dogs when it's actually real when it's live you mm. can see that dog come alive yeah. and so there's got to be a reason for that there's got to be a reason for it uh, obviously jamie i am safe as a police officer i've only trained dogs to track you know recreationally would you say there's a difference in when you're tracking them on concrete where they're looking for more people or compared to when they're in grass and they're looking more at broken vegetation could you can you see a difference in the drive pickup yeah you do can yeah you? because obviously you get you know the 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 
the better the vegetation, the, the yeah. greater the ground disturbance, the greater the scent, the greater yeah, the, you yeah, know, yeah. the olfactory ability. And so the more drive kicks in with a dog. Obviously, yeah. I'm working a little bit harder when I start moving across hard, hard surfaces. Hard yeah. surfaces. But they're looking more for the person then, aren't they? The smells yeah. coming more for the person. So can you see an, an elevating arousal levels like, oh... It depends whether or not you're coming towards the end of that track or whether yeah, you're yeah. partway through it. Obviously, the closer you get to the to the source, you know, the, yeah, to the target yeah. of the of the scent, yeah. then then obviously you'll see an increase there it's coming incredible. on. But is it fear? It's, is it's that fear that they're picking when up you on? think about the way that the dogs sense the world. You know, yeah. the, the 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 number of nerve endings that they have in their olfactory system is just immense. So we take our kind of primary view of the world from things that we can see and things mm. that we can hear. Right? They almost see the world in. Smell. Smell. I can't. I can't even begin can't. to describe no, it. How would you? It's you're like talking. You to like I said, you're, you're talking yeah. parts per trillion. So to put that into context for the for the listeners, you're talking. A dog can smell one single drop of blood in two Olympic-sized swimming pools. That is phenomenal. That's incredible. Absolutely phenomenal. That's it. They must hate going through the perfume section in a department store. I do myself. I think I might be sort of similar. Yeah. That's that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That is you a good point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And people who've got homes where they have plug-in diffusers. Yeah. They cause yeah, so things, many issues with dogs and plug-in yeah, diffusers. Right. Yeah. So many different things where you're overwhelming that, that sensory capacity. And you imagine yeah. if, if our, ours is our, you know, our principal sort of like um, means of navigating around things would be sight, arguably. Yeah. You know, imagine if you were flooding that. Yeah. with competing um, you know distractions it's phenomenal isn't it yeah so do you want to know what the science says go on always. let's do it well, bring it in I found one study it was really interesting actually it exposed dogs to human sweat or more specifically the chemo signals or chemical messengers in it to see how smelling that sweat or smelling those chemo signals affected their behavior now the sweat was harvested from people after they'd been made to watch videos that either made them really happy or really scared. <laughs> so much, they had to wear these absorbent pads underneath their armpits while they were watching this. Um, so it absorbed all the sweat and then that went off to the lab. Now they took pads from three different people to and put them together to make a super sweat pad. <laughs> Pit pongs. Pit pongs, yeah. Um, but there was a reason for that. It was to try to reduce the risk of individual differences. So rather than just smelling a person, an individual person, they wanted them to be able to smell uh, a kind of multitude of things that represented the same thing. So kind of trying to make it as broad Some, as possible, yeah. to generalise. So this is generally what a frightened, sweaty person smells like. This is generally what a happy person smells like. Now, the dogs were then brought into a room and their owner was sitting in the one corner and diagonally opposite, so you imagine a square room, um, was a stranger. Now, neither the owner or the stranger were allowed to make eye contact with each other or with the dogs or interact with the dogs. And in the middle of the room was this little container and it had loads of air, oh, air holes in it and it had the sweaty super pads in there. Now, when the dogs could smell fear sweat, they showed more signs of stress and they were more likely to go back to their owner for some comfort. They did this with bitches and dogs to see if there were any differences in the, in the, in the sex of the dogs. And bitches showed stronger avoidance behaviour than dogs. So they were more likely to head to the door to try to get away from whatever the, the fright. It's very, very interesting. Yeah. Really now, interesting. A similar sex difference has been seen in other species too in response to things that are, that are fearful. But when they were exposed to happy sweat, is that a thing? Yeah, happy yeah. sweat, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We won't go into that on this episode. <laughs> yeah. This is a family show. <laughs> <laughs> where are you going to win on about that? Yeah. 
<laughs> but when they were exposed to happy sweat, the bitches were also more likely to interact with a stranger instead of their owner. Mm. And that was something that male dogs didn't do. Some of the, um, the more mainstream bite sports, the vast majority, I couldn't put a percentage on, but I'd say it's high 90s. There's only a few bitches that go through that. They mainly put male dogs through that. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah. there's some other research that looks at that, and it found that one of the biggest indicators for how successful dogs will be at that kind of work um, is uh, on a personality inventory, their boldness scores. Yeah. Boldness, not boldness. Yeah, yeah. Boldness. So, you know, my naked dog wouldn't be much better. They are. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Smash it otherwise, but, yeah, but what they found was that male dogs are more likely to be bold than female dogs but when you got a bold female dog it was as good as mm. the bold male dog so it was just a, a percentages might game. want to say a male pattern boldness <laughs> indeed indeed but, um, but it is you know it is something interesting now what we couldn't tell from this study was whether those sex differences in that kind of emotional expressivity happened because the bitches and the dogs had a different perception of the emotion through its senses. And so they responded differently because they were experiencing it differently or whether it was because they genuinely felt differently about it. Now we know that in humans, that chemo signals, those chemical messengers that you have mm. in your can, Sorry, Sam, can you just go into a bit more detail for the people mm. at home? What, what is and the chemo signals? <laughs> it's, it's basically... I, I, I act like I know this, but we, we, we had a briefing before and she let me know. <laughs> <laughs> no, the chemo signal is basically a chemical messenger that you secrete in your sweat. So it's something that you can kind of, you might smell. And when you, when you smell that, it induces something called a simulacrum. Now, a simulacrum is just a really big word for a mental representation. So you smell it and you imagine something. And in this case, the simulacrum is the emotional state of the person sweating. Mm. So in your mind's eye, American. yeah, in your mind's eye, you smell this. And in your mind's eye, you almost feel how that person must be feeling okay. as a result of smelling the, the almost Almost like being with someone who's extremely stressed and then you over start, sudden start yeah. feeling stressed, but through exactly a, that. A, 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 a smell. Okay. Exactly yeah. that. There's a kind of synchrony in their, wow. in their brains that are driven by detecting these chemo signals. And we know that happens in humans. But here, this study is showing that dogs are capable of the same simulacrum, that same mental representation, but it's not just between a dog and another dog. It's across species. Yeah, they're smelling again, phenomenal. Yeah. Human, yeah, they're smelling human moods and essentially having some kind of simulacrum, arguably, as a result of that. Yeah. Their behaviour is changing based on how a human yeah. is feeling it, and it, how they're smelling. The human's not even there. It just blows me away that, you know, it, 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 it makes sense because you're talking about, you know, a social animal, uh, you know, a pack animal, if, mm. if you will. That, that would be kind of infectious so that everyone's getting the same feeling and is going to act accordingly as one. Yeah. You know, yeah if, if everyone's feeling differently, yeah. then you don't work in, in cohesion, do you? Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it, isn't Mother Nature just amazing the way things like that work? It's, but it's like, it's like even with atoms and molecules and the way that if one gets heated up, everything else kind of heats yeah, up to yeah, that yeah, they're yeah, all yeah, at the same yeah, point. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So oh my God, in it's sync, basically yeah. physics in your dog's brain. You know, we don't know. Like we, we're, we're thinking that it means that the dog can smell fear or yeah, something yeah. like that but is it you know is it is it fear as we understand it that they're working on or is it something like like you say if you if you're talking in such um or or talking about such an ability you know to to detect scent at such minute yeah. you know um quantities then maybe it's something beyond what we're even capable maybe of. Maybe smelling yeah. something that we're not even detecting. Yeah, that we haven't even got a word yeah, for, that yeah. we don't have an understanding yeah, yeah. of. You don't know. We're assuming that they're smelling fear and then feeling fear, but of yeah. course it could be that they're smelling fear 
and they're, they're recalling an association between a person and that smell, a frightened yeah, person yeah. and that smell, the way that frightened person behaved and that smell, and whatever associations they've got based on their behavior yeah. as a result. So they might not be feeling fear, but they might be responding to how you behave when you're afraid. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. But either way, there is something there, isn't there, about how your mood can be driving your dog's behaviors. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. and it does. Yeah. It does, yeah, we it see does. it all the time yeah, in pet do. behavior, don't we? Yeah. yeah, we do. So if you're working your dog when you're happy, then your chemo signals might be putting your dog in a more relaxed state, right? But if you're working your dog when you're stressed, you know, and you do see that, don't you, with reactive dogs, when the owner's going out and the owner's worried and the owner's stressed, then the dog is picking up on that. You put the dog away. Yeah. It's yeah. never, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, we always advise this, don't we? It's yeah, never yeah. a good idea to train your dog when you're stressed. Yeah. No, it isn't. No, so it there's isn't. something about being self-aware in this as well, isn't it? So there you have it. Dogs can very literally smell your mood. Who knew? However it's represented within the dog's mind, within the dog's brain, is kind of secondary because the point is they can discriminate between the moods and behave differently mm. accordingly and in a consistent way. And in theory then, if that's the case, then you should be able to counter condition it. You should be able to subject them to some sort of, you know, stressful sweat and produce a reward as right. a result of that and counter condition the whole feeling around it yeah, so yeah. it smells the it smells the stress sweat and, and then something instead good happens. it expects something good yeah yeah, yeah. so, so that'll go down to the dog's life experiences yeah. as well now, I, will, I will say though obviously there's there's always room for further exploration but out of all of the um, the literature we've gone this through so far this is the one that's really getting me as a dog trainer thinking I can see this because we know dogs can smell parts per trillion. They can smell cancer. They can smell if you're going to have a seizure. Yeah. So it would, you know, we know that we secrete different hormones and things when we are stressed or fearful or happy. So I think Why it's well within the realm of possibility that the dog can, yeah, can pick I up on that. I guess it's whether or not they interpret it and yeah. how we interpret it. So yeah, they yeah. see that as being fear or they yeah. see, as opposed yeah. to and just the shift have, in what you I'm know, picking what, up. What happens, what happens with like in the case of singular learning events? So a, a singular learning event for the people at home, something that happens that has a detrimental outcome on a dog's behaviour, how they how they relate to what, what has just happened. So for example... It's like know, a really bad yeah, experience. You've just got, the, you've just got the job of your dreams, you've yeah. just got engaged, you've got a brand new car, you take the dog for a walk... And something really bad happens and, and, and the dog's now, is that all that smell of happiness now equated with a singular learning event? Uh, you know, yeah. they're associative yeah. learners. Yeah. Where, where do we draw the line? How far can we take it? Do you get me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, I do. But it is, I mean, there is that huge complexity of signals that dogs are picking up on all the time. So we know that they're amazing at reading people. We know that they've got parts of their brain that are dedicated to reading faces, for yeah. example, for processing faces. So they're constantly attuned to your, you know, the expressions that you have on your face they're constantly attuned <laughs> yeah that expression that Danny just pulled no, I missed it <laughs> it was beautiful it was, he'd get number one in the gurning contest in Cornwall for that I reckon oh, yeah. <laughs> you know so they're constantly reading us they're reading our body language and then you throw in those chemo signals as well mm -hmm. and it just goes to show how attuned they are to us no wonder they've evolved alongside us for thousands of mm -hmm. years and done so really successfully yeah we also have a greater capacity than we give ourselves credit for. I think we become reliant on um, simpler, more basic, you know, um, cues and signals because you can walk into a situation or you can walk down a street that you've never been down before and you get a feeling. 
Yeah. What you describe as that I, I had it gave me this feeling yeah, or yeah. a person and something about that person projects something. Now there's no there's no prior learning, but yeah. something is given off. But are we actually capable of doing more than we realise that we are? But we've just lost the capacity to be able to understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have and, a spidey yeah. sense that we've there you go. Well, spidey yeah. senses. A lot of my human research was focused on the things that bias the way that we make decisions. So I looked at how Pavlovian associations, things that you become conditioned to. So you know, if I was to always kind of see this pen uh, and at the same time someone gives me chocolate I'm going to have a Pavlovian association between this pen and some chocolate that's the thing that I'm always going to link it to um, and instrumental processes so if I every time I pressed a button then someone brought me some chocolate then I'd have an association between that response and the outcome of chocolate but those things that we learn can interact with each other and sometimes the things that we're experiencing those parts of the jigsaw are just a cue that have been previously paired with something else so when we have a kind of gut feeling that something might be going wrong it's usually because there's a cue there's something that we've previously experienced that's signaling that and I mean it could be the same with dogs and you know coming to the the point about the chemo signals and the, and the mood it might not be a really innate thing that they smell fear and they naturally think that something bad is going to happen it could very well be linked to previous associations that they've made with something whether a, a single singular learning event for example yeah. or whether it's something more broad that's happened repeatedly so yeah. every time I see my my owner or my handler feeling afraid something bad happens mm -hmm. so I'm going to preserve myself and run to the door yeah. or I'm going to feel stressed and I'm going to yeah. seek comfort from my from my uh, my handler or my owner you know it, it can be down to that level as well and again that's something that similar with all of the studies that we're looking at it's really hard to deduce because we can only read the dog's behavior we can only measure the dog's behavior Internal we can't ask external. them questions yeah, yeah. so we don't know what they're thinking necessarily yeah, yeah. Yeah, that and, is, and is it that I'm, you know, on that, is it that I'm smelling fear or is it that I'm just picking up some kind of signal mm. that says to me, avoid, yeah. move away from, you know, whether yeah. it's some, some kind and of it, innate pre-programming, yeah, yeah. you know, who knows? Yeah, and it's important to remember that, you know, we know this through behavior modification that we can we can constantly evolve their associations, we can, we can change them, we can, we can, you know, we can play around with that as well. I wonder whether dogs are also smelling chemo signals from other dogs. So, mm. you know, sometimes you'll hear people say, I don't know why my dog just reacted to that particular dog. Mm. It doesn't look like a dog that they've had a previous, you know, they, they've not had a Barney before with yeah. a, you know, with a miniature schnauzer. But for some reason, that dog didn't move. But for some reason, my dog really reacted to that. And I've got no idea why. Now, there might have been a multitude of things that happened that we're not then, necessarily noticing. And then you take, the, they take them there to see what's going on. And yeah, that other dog just yeah, happens yeah. to be stood there yeah. like this. Looking at the dog, it's okay. It's friendly. No, but it could be that they're smelling chemo signals. Yeah, yeah, maybe, well, so. yeah maybe, maybe so. Yeah, maybe so. Could Very be something that you know, because I've heard a lot of people say, "Well, perhaps it's pheromones." Well, perhaps it is, but perhaps there's also some chemo signals that are giving the dog an indication of that dog's mood, and then it's prompting it or preempting a response, a particular response mm. from that dog. Do you think it's anything you'll ever know? Oh, oh there's always science is, yeah, science yeah. is always yeah, 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 evolving, yeah, yeah. and I'm sure we'll course, find out one day. But there's a study in everything. Yeah. Study in everything. Yeah. I think it's important to take from that that, you, that you, you, your dog is learning 24 seven. So it's mm. important to think how are you interacting with your dog all the time? What kind of moods are you in? Is is your dog your your way of um, uh, is your dog a coping strategy for for struggles at home, whether yeah. it be depression or domestic violence? How, how will that shape your dog's behaviour in the future? 
depending on what mood are you in when you're spending time with the dog? I think there's so many questions we can ask from that, isn't there? There's something as well about when dogs are puppies, how that kind of behaviour, that experience imprints on them from a really young age. And so mm. if you get a puppy um, because you're feeling really low, like you might just have lost a dog and you want to go yeah. out and get another dog straight away, but you're still feeling low. See it all does the time, Does that yeah. move? Does yeah. do you? Yeah, see it all the time with young dogs, people trying to replace one with the other. And um, they're not ready for it. They're still grieving the other dog. They pull the heart into it. And you've got to remember, you know, from zero to 15 weeks is a puppy's crucial socialisation yeah, period. They're very, very impressionable. Yeah. And um, and if you're if you're grieving and not leaving that dog be and pouring your heart into it, you're instilling a lot of, you know, anxieties in that yeah. dog from a very young age. Yeah. And that could all be, that could that could not just be behavioural, that, that could be, you know, scent related, couldn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. Which would be it? associative, wouldn't it? The yeah, way that you're all feeling and the, yeah. the end and the negative yeah. states that you have yeah, and yeah. the associations that the dog, you know, the young pup yeah. makes. In, and now, you know, you you think I'm ready to start training, but the reality is you've al- you've already kind of started your your run uphill. You know yeah. what I mean? You've you, you've not hit the ground running, so to speak. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And there's there is something, isn't there, about how you. How you can inoculate your dog around stress. Oh, yeah. You know, how, I love that. how you I love can that have, yeah, yeah, how you can have coping strategies so that you make sure that your drama doesn't become your dog's drama as yeah. well, especially when they're not just picking up on, you know, your kind of verbal cues, but they're mm-hmm. smelling you as well. That's, a, that's an know? interesting one. So, when we, you know, when, when, uh, if you can explain to the viewers at home about the process of myelination. Well, the more experiences that you have, the more of the same experience that you have, the stronger the connection between those things yeah. is. And that that just makes sense, right? The yeah. more times you do something, then, you know, the kind of easier you'll do it because mm. your brain kind of registers it and you kind of start to do it automatically. You have a stronger link between those things. Mm. And there's actual brain machinery that sits mm. behind that. So whenever you're doing that, your brain is making a connection. So the synapses between the different neurons, your different kind of brain cells What's are connecting with each other. It's the synapse is the connection between the two. Okay. So it's the bit where two neurons meet, essentially. Okay. So the more times that happens, the more of this substance called myelin yeah. uh, you get. The kind of ra- It's a bit like, um, the best way to describe it is a bit like putting uh, insulation tape around yeah. a okay. wire. Yeah. So then you're keeping all of the electricity inside rather than losing some. Yeah, yeah. So it becomes a stronger connection. It becomes a stronger bond. So the more something's repeated, yeah. the more myelin occurs yeah. and the stronger that connection is. That's something I really work with when I'm dealing with dogs who are highly stressed. But again, there's a fine line between subjecting your dog to a limited amount of stress, allowing them to build resilience, to pushing them way too far too soon yeah. and flooding. Yeah. 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 yeah but do you know what? We've talked a lot about the theory around this, but I think yeah. perhaps it's time we talked about some of the practice. So we'll be right back after the break with some practical tips as well as some of our lovely listener questions. Welcome back. It's that part of the show when we look at what you can do practically with the research we've just learned about. Good stuff. Okay, so we've been talking a lot about the dog's stress, but I think it's very important to understand that usually what accompanies your dog's stress is the stress that you're incurring as well as a result of, you know, maybe being subjected to countless situations where your dog's choosing to aggress their way out of said stress. Briefly touched on myelination about building resilience to stress. I think a lot of dog trainers overlook the fact that they need to allow the owners to myelinate as well. And what might be the starting point to your dog's stress? Yours might be a lot lot further behind. So, you know, when I've got clients who've got big, powerful breeds and they're struggling... 
part of getting them over that their stress and and the dogs and, and we can do the dog in in due course is just not subjecting them to stressful situations for a period of time. Let them reset. Let them mm. calm down a little bit. Decompression let, de- time. Yeah, decompression yeah. time. But whilst, but it's it's what I'd like to call de- um, constructive decompression time. So I'll give them homework to achieve, very realistic goals to achieve, because they've literally subjected themselves to a year, maybe more, of constant failures, constant, oh God, this is going to happen. So they're not looking for how am I going to push my dog through this situation? They're going into a state of panic and having success with stress, whether you're a dog or a person, is about setting yourself small realistic goals and not failing. If you ch- if you mm. set the goal and the bar too high and you fail, you just kill, you- kill yourself. You're just <laughs> kicking yourself over and over again. You need to subject yourself to some victories. Yeah, yeah and I, I think like, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier on about the, the whole um, immunisation towards stress by... Yeah putting yourself in mildly yeah. stressful situations or, or situations of adversity of some yeah. kind with an ability to be able to control them and to be able to get out of them. Obviously, when they're, you know, unpredictable and inescapable, you know, uncontrollable, that's when it, things become very, very yeah. difficult. But where, the, where there is provision for that and you, you're, you're making sure that you're not pushing person or dog over that threshold, you know, and so you're not entering fear where the dog isn't yeah. able to, if let's say that the dog is able to smell fear from the owner, that you're not actually putting neither the owner nor the yeah. dog in that situation through that much, but you're actually developing confidence, yeah. do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. You're building them forward. But I, I, I think it's a, it's a really valid point that because the, the, the behavior yeah. of the owner, whilst the dog may not, you know, it doesn't sort of like telegraph itself down through the lead towards the dog but there is certainly this dynamic between both if you get somebody you know they say that dogs can can um uh, tend to sort of like uh be like their owners or yeah. owners be like their dogs whichever way you look at it you know so a skitty sort of like giddy person has a sort of like skitty giddy dog and yeah. somebody who's timid and fearful has a dog that they need to keep away from everything and such and such yeah. not all the time but yeah, yeah. you know i think that that there there is there's truth yeah. You know, or certainly elements of truth that are, that are founded in that. Well, yeah, one hundred percent. And keeping on 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 topic of of fear, there is no point really if we're going off the grounds of you know the dog's most powerful senses, his nose. If you're attempting to subject your dog to minor stress, what you perceive as minor stress for them, but that is quite major stress for you. If they can smell that fear, yeah, surely you're yeah. kind of you know you you you're kind of on the on the back foot already. You, you know, the dog can't possibly allow that information to come in, register, myelinate and, and build resilience if it's too fixated, if if in fact your dog can smell your fear without you addressing your own fear first. Yeah, it's a different association, isn't well, it? Yeah. It might not be the yeah. one that we're trying to But it's achieve. not an association it's you happening. can see. It could yeah. leave you with a big, massive, fat question mark on why is this not working when it has before. Yeah. Um, and it's something I learned, I probably started implementing maybe maybe six, seven years ago about really, I, I realised, you know, everyone in this industry is all the dog, the dog, the dog. We're there for the owners. Without them owners, them dogs can't improve. They live in a human world. There is no way for them to relate to the everyday social norms that we perceive as socially normal without having access to what is normal through their owner, yeah. through their handler. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, it's just not just what's socially normal, is it? It's what's socially yeah. required. You know, yeah. at, the end, at the end absolutely. of the day, you're bringing Because we're great at socially normal, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And sticking to what's socially required. But it's, you know, yeah. it's a big ask. Yeah. It's a big ask that you're bringing a dog into, isn't yeah. it? You know, with legal limitations yeah. and social expectations. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and, and which brings us back to, you know, training of terminal commands, things that you might like to do that, that de-stress you. But if you're having a 
a really stressful day. How is the learning process enjoyable for your dog? If you're just teaching something as simple as down, sit, stand, stay. If you've had a really stressful day and you're, or you're, you're fearful of, of, am I going to get sacked from my job tomorrow? Yeah. Is that impacting the joy that you bring into the moment of that learning experience for the dog? I, th- I think if nothing else, if nothing else, it impacts on the feeling that is generated as yeah. a result of that. Do you know what I mean? You, you don't feel bad, go out and train a dog and feel good. No, Do you know what I mean? And I, and, yeah. I, and I don't think the dog really gets anything yeah. of value from that either. So, And we've, we've hit on this before about um, controlling your environment. So let's say that you're trying to build up a, a, a confident response to the door going, but the dog has got a fearful response of strange people. Well, if you're putting all this time in, but leaving your dog to roam the house and they're getting to run to the door with a fearfully aggressive response then they're never going to get over it because they're practicing that behavior again. So implementing a crate and a good, healthy routine of structure is going to 100% benefit you in that situation, isn't it? Let me jump in and be devil's advocate for what somebody who might say or might be thinking who's listening or speaking or such and such. And it's not a crate, it's a cage. You're caging caging your dog. Do you know what I mean? You're locking them up in a prison. Newsflash, Shirley, so is your vet if your dog breaks its leg. So you better get your dog used to being in a confined space because... If you're, if you're going to move out the country, if your dog is really sick, has to have surgery for any reason, they're going to be in a crate. Right. But have you yeah. ever heard anyone tell someone off for putting their baby in a cot because it's a cage? Well, <laughs> I put mine in a crate, it was fine. When he was closing the bedroom door when you go to, to bed or to sleep yeah. or to whatever as a yeah, youngster. Yeah, it's a another, another, another thing that comes in handy with crate training, when you're dealing with dogs that have, you know, um, what would you say? I'd say um, extreme levels of stress in, in in an environment that shouldn't have any stress like your home. You're not yeah. really stressed if you're just chilling in bed. But let's say you brought in a dog from, from a, a, a shelter and you want them to relax in the home. A crate is a brilliant way to do it. When you put a dog in a, in a crate, not a massive crate where they can pace and get anxious, they can only really move so much before they relax and they calm and yeah. they lay down decompression it's teaching them the the subtle art of switching off from the world around them and relaxing you put a fearful dog in a situation with space and they will pace that space i'm a rapper yeah, yeah. they will, uh-huh. they will uh-huh. pace uh-huh. that space yeah. and the more they pace they're on, they're, yeah they're then, <laughs> other rappers are available chocolate bar rapper um, if you're leaving a dog with too much space that's you know highly um anxious and aroused at the same time you, you're going to allow them to indulge in in a coping strategy for that for that arousal which often is destructive behaviors pacing barking you know stuff that you don't want the dog to do once they're on that ladder of anxiety it's only a ladder that's going to get they're going to climb they're not going to come back down dog, from it my, my dogs my dogs <laughs> my yeah. dogs love the crate it's um it's a safe space for dogs. them so, yeah. <laughs> my dogs love it yeah, it's like yeah. a den my dogs you know? do yeah. it's my like a den do, yeah yeah, yeah do you fantastic. know what I'd, 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 I was just going to say something. Just sitting here listening to you talk, right? I'm not blowing and smoke rap. and rap. You know. And rap. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. <laughs> no, but just not, not blowing smoke up you or anything. But the passion that you, you project when you talk about that is somebody who is absolutely 100% maybe coming from a place of... Maybe I am. Maybe I'm picking up. It's that... Again, no, but it's coming from a place of experience. You know, So I'll just say, while somebody might be listening to this or watching this or whatever... What you are projecting in, in the way that you're doing this, it yeah. is it's an experience based thing, yeah, you know. One hundred percent. So that that in taking your experience, uh, that that being the case, I have a fearful dog. I myself project fear 
as a result, you know, because I, I'm unable to control it, what can I do? You can decompress the dog, allow the dog to calm down in its own environment, in the environment where you want that dog to feel safe and secure. You can crate them, isolate them, let them calm down, and you can take the small baby steps to inoculate the stress that you're feeling whilst that dog is calming down and decompressing. That's two birds with one stone. I mean, we focused a lot on fear with this, but there's that point about happiness as well. Yeah. And just as a final one, there's something about when you're training your dog to recall, for example. Yeah. Um, one constant conversation I was having with Mike is he would shout, come, as if it was like, I'm telling you off. And the no. dogs would be like, no, that's not happening. Whereas if you're doing it with excitement, yeah. then the dog's more likely to come I to you. Because this, it's I have this conversation so uh, many times with clients and said, you watch me on social media, the badass catching the bite work dogs. Oh, look at him. But you see me on a field with a dog I'm training and I'm like, Whoa! I was yeah. just about to say. You've got to do it. Yeah, anybody got to wants do to stick their fingers in there is where that whole thing is. Yeah, yeah, you've got to. Yeah. Like that sort yeah. of thing. Got it. It draws me. And he's like, he's getting cross because the dog's not coming back. I'm like, well, of course it's not coming back. You're shouting. You've got to be happy. Yeah. Move, yeah. move, yeah. move, yeah. move. Yeah. Engaging, yeah. engaging. If you tell me to come yeah. like yeah. that, I'm going to be like, no. That's one of my favourite teaching points when I'm working with people with the dogs. When And I find, you know, there is differences in genders where you know where some are going to struggle or not. And women are brilliant at this stuff as soon as I say recall a dog and be happy I don't have to say anything else come come blah, 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 blah. I yeah. say to fellas like come on come, come. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just don't want to do it yeah. and I say whether you like it or not you need to build a condition response that getting to us is a fantastic thing to do it's a great subject, isn't it? Talk but about you know it forever. Yeah, we you really could. could. We really could. Well, you've got some great listeners' questions in on this topic. So, Jamie. Yeah, we have. All right, let's go with it. First one, question one. My dog grew up in... Oh, dearie me. Dearie <laughs> me. Thank you for sending this one in. You're an absolute diamond. My dog grew up in a house with three cats. She uses the cat flap and licks herself clean. Is this normal? For a dog. Well, is that yeah. normal? First of all, your English Mastiff's quite the contortionist. <laughs> <laughs> I well, you've got really big cats. I, I saw the cat that used to bring seagulls into yeah. the cat flap. I don't understand the correlation between it uses the cat flap and licks itself. Like, is that... Because cats lick themselves. Cats lick themselves. Yeah, but the dog... But the so dogs, dogs. Is it mimicry? Yeah, yeah but is, is it, it because social... of the cat flap? Or is he just licking himself? <laughs> I don't know. Does it we catch itself bit... on the cat flap coming yeah. in? Is it yeah. only it when it uses the cat bit. flap that it? Yeah, that's it. I think we need a bit more. Than Maybe that. it's the fact that grew up. I'm, I I'm grew up in this a house group with, as he mimicking cats. the behaviour. Right, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, maybe, I'm, yeah. I'm becoming part. Well, uh, oh, we've, it's, we've it's whether they lick themselves clean. Yeah, yeah, of course. Not just generally licking themselves. Well, I would say I would say that you know through is associative learning. Dog dogs do they're predominantly associative learners, aren't they? But they do have the ability to mimic behaviour and learn from observation yeah. only so chances are he's using the flap to begin with because he has seen the cats do it and it's a way of getting in and out but I think a nice way of looking at a, a, a nice way of sort of like without you know in any way ridiculing the person who's posed, posed the question because there is you know logic in it too you look yeah. at livestock guarding dogs Livestock garden dogs from a young age are brought up amongst yeah, livestock, livestock yeah. animals, so that they see themselves yeah, as being yeah, a member of that, yeah, yeah. a member of that species, and a you know protector of that species yeah. and things like that. Is that possible happening with cats? You know, to, to grow up Absol- with cats. Ab- absolutely, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's going to come unstuck if he's starting to try and climb a tree. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's the next? Okay, one? Okay, question two. Is it true that dogs can smell certain medical conditions? Absolutely, 100%. Well, they 100%. could in the car when Danny did what he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just flush it, Danny. 
vile medical condition. Yeah, uh, conditions. Yeah, it is, isn't yeah. it? It is. We we, we yes. know this. Yes. Well, you'll know yeah. when you give a little sneeze and a paw comes with the tissue over your shoulder. <laughs> Where, oh, think, wouldn't that be great yeah, if be when you've got yeah. like if you've got a cold and your dog just kind of like brings you some lemsip, makes you a little bit of tea, <laughs> yeah, brings yeah. you some tissues. There you go. Stay, stay, stay. Yeah. Time telly on. Yeah. You want yeah. loose women? You want loose women? There. Yeah. In a minute with a cup of tea. Yeah, yeah. Vicks. Oh. I think it's um. You know, like I say, we, we, we know that. You know, that, they can that's smell not... cancers. They can they can smell yeah. um, seizures coming on. They can smell diabetes. They can yeah. low blood sugar. They yeah. can smell a lot of um, things. There was some training done with dogs to to detect COVID as well. At one yeah, point. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. COVID dogs. But I think it's uh, it's important as well to you know they might be able to detect it. Yeah. Uh, do I know that it's a sort of like potentially you know? Um, they have uh, to be trained. Uh, dogs that are able to detect scents that are you know. Uh, Absolutely, um, yeah. the result of certain conditions. Do the dogs know that those conditions are potentially life-threatening, critical, or things like that? Are they acting empathetically towards the fear that it, you know, or the danger that it represents towards the person? Yeah. We don't allow them that much, do we? You know, yeah. we go on and we do it in an instrumental learning way. Smell the smell, get the rewards. Dog, dogs, from are, you know, yeah. dogs can find. Dogs have found them. Um, I can't remember the depths. Whether it was. Six meters or twelve meters, but dogs dogs have smelled small substances underwater wow. from like six to twelve meters, and they can detect on it. You know, they're phenomenal. They're absolutely phenomenal. They're incredible. Great questions, though, listeners. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We yeah. want more, though. We always want more. So, how can people get in touch, Jamie? Well, if you'd like to get in touch, you can always find us quite simply at Dog Scholar Podcast on social media, or if you want to email us, then podcast at thedogscholar.com. Yes, please send them in along with your icks. And talking of icks, we've got two brilliant ones. Yeah, what we've have got we a couple got? of icks here. We've got John from Placentia, California. <laughs> We're going across the Atlantic. We're transatlantic people. Sounds like a nutritious place. Yeah. Oh, this, you this can ick, eat it. This ick, I, 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 you're guilty of this, Sab. I've seen this what before. What have I done now? When people let their dogs lick their mouths. Yeah, I do all the time. Yeah. I don't care. It's not gross if it's your own dog. Well, I don't Sorry. know if he's licking his ass. It's the same sort of thing. What if it's his own ass? Yeah. I don't care. Depends yeah. what comes out of your mouth. You yeah, probably yeah, can't differentiate. Yeah. Licking your mouth, <laughs> licking his ass. I'm a Newport girl. Yeah, I'm fine with yeah. it. Yeah. There's, more, there's more muck comes yeah. out of that than there is this. Um, I can't. I can't really add, add, add to that in something. But I know there is a there is a host of um, bacteria that dogs carry, and they can cause all sorts of scabs and stuff in your mouth. I, I think there's. I'm gonna. You I'm going to put my hand up and fess up here, and I don't let my dogs lick my mouth. Yeah. But I'll kiss my dogs. I kiss yeah. my dogs. I think so, every, and, and, every yeah, two dogs pays. Get in, give you, give you a kiss yeah. on the side. So am of your I face taking it too far with tongues? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. sort of. You've got to ask yourself. Yeah, it's, it's an ick. Social but, bonding. You know, we're, we're, we're all a bit icky on this table. Yeah, I think we're all right with it. We got another one, and we're flying across the Atlantic again. Kerry from Cut and Shoot, Texas. What a place to live. Cut and Shoot. I want to move there. In that boss, where'd you live? Cut and Shoot. You'd have to do like a hand signal with this. Cut and shoot. Sounds like That's where I'm yeah. Texas. Texas, oh, yeah. It sounds brilliant. like a Texas. Place. Texas, right? Texas this is in, rela- in um, relation to behaviour. When someone says, I've Do it had- in a Texan accent, please. I haven't got no Texas accent. I'll do that. Yeah. If you live in cut and shoot, I only speak to Jonas cool Black, you? and he doesn't really sound like he's from Texas. Oh, is yeah. <laughs> he's from Arizona. Yeah, no, he's from Texas. Yeah, he's, he's from, from Texas. Oh, go mad at that. I can't hear that. Oh, oh. Right? Is she? So Kerry says in relation to behaviour, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna start with this one because this, on. this does my head in. Right? 
No, it's okay. I've had dogs my whole life. Listen, I've had a fridge my whole life, but if it broke, I couldn't fix it. Mm. It means nothing. It means I've had nothing. I've teeth my whole life, yeah. but it doesn't make me a dentist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it means nothing. <laughs> I think there's plenty yeah. of, plenty of yeah. things that we could talk about yeah. with, you know. If you've had, you know, let's say you're, you're 30 years of age, you've had a dog since you were a kid, and you've got, what, well, that's three dogs your whole yeah. life. Yeah. You've yeah. got a data pool of three. We're dealing with, you know, over, over 10 years, you're talking. Nearly 10,000 dogs, yeah. you know what I mean? It's not the same. Yeah. I feel X. for them. I feel Great for them. X. That's all we got time for this week. But if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. Because if they don't enjoy it, maybe they dog will. And finally, over to Danny again for a final thought. So, can dogs smell fear? Who knows? <laughs> that was awful. See you next week. Yeah. <laughs>